winning for life. When my children were about as old as the picture on the screen, a little over 20 years ago, we went through one of those uh, rites of passage, one of those milestones of childhood. We went snipe hunting. We went camping, we were in a tent, it was uh, early fall, the bugs were alive in the woods, evening came, we said, kids, we're, gonna, we're going on the hunt now. I grabbed my flashlight, we, uh, we went walking over toward the restrooms in the campground, uh, I said, hey, we, we better use the restroom, this hunt might take a while. So we all went in, and, and, and when we came out, I said, you know, uh, mom was a little tired, she went back to the tent, so just us, we're just going to go snipe hunting. And we ventured into the woods, and, and we looked around, and we were looking all over the place, and we were sneaking, and we were listening, and, and pretty soon we heard what sounded like a cow coming from the distance. <laughs> we kept looking. We heard that cow a dozen more times until we got close to it. And then mom jumps out from a tree and says, boo, like that. To which our kids look at their mother and say, mom, what are you doing in the woods? We're hunting snipes. Do you want to go? While we never heard another cow noise, we did shine the flashlight into a hollow log and see two little red eyes. And so my kids found a snipe. <laughs> what great memories. What great milestones. What what great rites of passage. You know, when they're young, they come and they're so precious. That first word, that first step, first grade. And then as they grow, those other milestones come with a little more trepidation and fear. That first date, that first driver's license, that 18th birthday, that day when they finally pack up and, and move out of the house and, and live on their own. Well, today we're going to talk about that journey after our kids move out of the house. Today we're going to talk about winning for life. Hey, good morning. My name's Ben Cathy, and I have the privilege of being the executive pastor here at Mountaintop Church and the privilege of sharing the message today. We'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. So if you have your Bible or if you have your Bible app, you may want to pull that up. And if you don't have a Bible and would like one, we have free Bibles at both exits on your way out. And you can get one of those and take it with you. Well, I want to speak to two groups of people today. I'd like to speak, number one, to adult kids. Anybody here, are you an adult kid? Like that, This means you have parents, right? I'd also like to speak to the parents of the adult kids, the kids who have moved out of the house and, and they're on their own. And, and, and what are the dynamics of this relationship? How can we, in that relationship, win for life? First of all, adult kids. If you have parents, you're an adult child. In fact, you're an adult child longer than you're a child child. Think about it. I last a whole lot more years than 18. I went out to lunch after church to a full moon, full moon barbecue a couple of weeks ago. And uh, pulled up next to a, a, 
a car and a, an older lady got out of the passenger seat and she began commenting on my wife's little Miata and she said, I'd like one of those. And, and a, an older man came around to the car and, and he goes, Mom, you don't need one of those. You don't even drive anymore. <laughs> and we started a conversation and she was 96 and he was 72 and they went to lunch every Sunday afternoon. You see, our adult kid status lasts longer than our kid kid status. And, and, and while we're those uh, adult kids, what, what happens in our life, let's describe this. We move from one thing to another, and it's, it's important. We move from obey to honor. We have this journey from obeying our parents to honoring our parents. And our parents have a journey too, and we'll get to that in a moment. But in Ephesians 6, 1, Paul starts out this way. He says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Well, the word children there, there's a, a Greek word underneath it called uh, techna, it doesn't really matter, it's the word for a young child. So the emphasis in this part of the passage seems to be that maybe the younger you are, the more that obedience is important. In fact, we can see in a very practical, practical way how that's important because parents have the responsibility of getting children to obey in several areas, right? Bedtime how they dress, doing their homework, eat this, take out the trash, do your chores, brush your teeth so you don't get cavities, you need to hang out with this friend and not these, wear a helmet when you ride your bike, don't talk, right? The list is pretty long. There's a lot. Don't talk with strangers. Don't play in the middle of the street. Don't touch fire. Don't bring bugs in the house. Don't play with snakes. Don't ever look over the edge of a cliff. Anybody with me? You, you've been here? Don't eat dirt. And most importantly for our kids, don't ever, 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 ever utter the words, roll tide in my presence. Yeah, there we go. And sadly, if my youngest daughter were here, she'd have just yelled, go dogs. So. But this first sort of obedience is very practical. It's rooted in the fact that there's authority and greater experience and that, that young children, they just need their parents, right? Just to survive. Well, when we grow up and we kids start to become independent, that obedience wanes a little bit. We start making our own decisions. We, we get out on our own. We are adults. And so we shift maybe from 99% obedience to 1% honor till uh, that uh, mother and son in the parking lot at full moon to 99% honor and 1% obedience. You see, we, we still obey for this reason, because we belong to the Lord, because we belong to the Lord. Well, so this passage starts talking about children, but it quickly switches to verse two. And um, it, it, it's a direct word to children, but 
I believe the message of this passage can be a little more global uh, because the, the, the Ten Commandments were not written nine to adults and one to children. So Paul switches, and he says this in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. Again, how many of you read the Ten Commandments and thought, well, that one's for children, it's not for me. Adult children, that one's for you. And so on this journey from obey to honor, we, we lean into this, but, but, and, and I believe there are reasons that, that the commandment doesn't say obey your parents, right? Because it's speaking to a larger audience. So it says honor your parents. You see, uh, for 18 years, the weight of the relationship is on obey. And then when we step beyond that, the weight of the relationship quickly changes to honor. In fact, there is often a crisis moment in that first year when kids move out of the house, uh, that first year of college, that first year of a job, that whatever, because that relationship is tested and that transition from obey to honor takes on a super speed. And sometimes it's hard for both parent and child. Well, honor ultimately means uh, showing respect. It means giving esteem. It, it means uh, making a priority. Honor, honor means uh, preserving. It, it means caring for it means uh, showing grace. It means remembering. It might mean forgiving. Honoring is actually stronger than obedience. Think about it this way. A four-year-old is told to brush their teeth. And they're handed the toothbrush by their mother. And they grab the toothbrush and they stomp off to the bathroom. And they turn the sink on to make sure their mom could hear it. And they put the toothbrush in there and then they go. And then they put the toothbrush back down and they stomp back in. And they say, I brushed my teeth. That can look like obedience, right? Honoring. Honoring. Looks more like when you say, hey. Mom and Dad, thank you for uh, teaching me to brush my teeth every morning and every night. I hadn't had a cavity in five years. Honoring looks more like that. It's voluntary. It's not forced. It's, it's, it's a gift. It's not a have to. So there's a promise, though. It comes with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on earth. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you. And you'll have a long life on earth. Now, we're not told exactly how. It's a pretty general statement that things will go well. But honoring parents is tied to my life going well. Honoring parents is probably tied to how my children will treat me. Honoring parents who are older is probably tied to how our society and culture will treat older people. And guess what? 
If you're in your 20s, I have news for you. You're going to be old one day. We hope, right? We hope. You see, um, it's a promise. It's a promise where we are just invited to trust God. We're invited to, to, to trust the Bible, to trust the Word, to trust God, to trust that if we honor our father and mother, it'll go well with us and we'll live a long life. How many of you are golfers? Yeah, got a couple of golfers in here. Well, I brought uh, my five iron today. And if you're a golfer or if you're not, sometimes if you're not playing that well, one of your partners will utter this little tip. They'll say, uh, remember, let the club do the work. Because if you, if you get out of your game and out of your rhythm, right, you just start smacking at the ground like it's a baseball bat, right? And your ball tends to go everywhere. Well, I was out with a partner one day, and uh, we were playing golf, and we had agreed before it started that no mulligans, no give me, straight up score, we were going to see who won. And I'm not a very good golfer, so he wanted to beat me bad. We're playing the UGA course over in uh, Athens, Georgia. I think it's hole number 14. It's a par three. There's only water between the tee box and the green. Not much else. I get up, and the first time of the day, I think I hit a green. Boop, on the green. He gets up. He grabs whatever club he was using at the time. And uh, he, he, he has one in the water, two on the tee box. Three in the water, four on the tee box. Remember, no mulligans, no mercy, right? Five in the water, six on the tee box. Seven in the water, eight on the tee box. Wait for it, nine, eggshelled in the mud, about a foot above the bank of the little pond. To which I say, at least you can find that one. To which he yells a four-letter adjective they could have heard in downtown Athens and takes his club and slings it overhanded as far as he can into the woods. And because I'm such a nice guy, I toss out a ball onto the tee box and say, here, you can have one of my balls. And he says, four-letter adjective, Ben, I'm not worried about finding my ball. I have to go find my club now. I'll never forget that, and neither will he. He did find his club. Well, there's one thing I know about that day. It wasn't the club's fault. It wasn't the ball's fault. It wasn't my fault, and it wasn't his mom and daddy's fault. Let the club do the work. Me, this promise tells us this. Trust God with honoring your parents and let God do the work inside of that promise that life will go well and that life will be long. Put your trust not in your ability. Put your trust not in the, the goodness of your parents. Trust God with this commandment. Honor your mother and father and life.
will go well for you. Now let's talk just for a minute before we switch gears and talk to those parents of adult children. What does this honor look like? Well, this honor um, doesn't mean that we have to adopt every aspect of our parents' value system. This honor doesn't mean that we have to live with their dysfunction. This honor doesn't mean that we can never say no or that we always have to say yes. This honor doesn't mean that we're a doormat for their whims. Honor does not mean that we are financially responsible for their financial irresponsibility. Honor does not mean that we have to act on all of their advice. Honor does not mean that we have to be just like them. Honor doesn't even mean that we have to take over the family business, right? But here's what honor does mean. Honor means that we value them. Honor means that we make them significant in our life. Honor means that we take them seriously and that we listen to them when they have something to share with us. Honor means that we show appreciation for the good things they do and have done in our life. Honor means that we um, listen to their advice, even if we don't act on it. Honor means that we're generous toward them, that we try to put ourselves in their shoes. Honor means that we realize that they are as imperfect as we are, and honor probably means somewhere along the journey that we forgive them. You see, if we don't honor our parents and we don't trust God to do the work, we'll be tempted to throw them away into the woods and then we'll have to go looking for them. And that word might be especially helpful for those who are about 18 to 25 who are listening right now. Honor your parents. Trust God with the rest. I think the bottom line might look like this. Don't ask what you expect from your parents. Ask what God expects from you. Ask that second question first, and rarely ask that first question. Well, let's switch gears. Parents of adult children, you are, you, how are you doing? You, you doing awesome? Doing awesome? Yeah. Children are a blessing, aren't they? I mean, they're a blessing at every age. I mean, when they're little and cuddly and, you know, but... And when they're old and they drive up to the house and you didn't know they were coming, they're still a blessing, right? right? Well, well, how do we navigate that? How, how, do, how, how do we parent adult children well? How do we win for life? Well, um, I'm super proud of my kids. If you stop me, I'll tell you all about them all day, every day. And they've honored me. And uh, they, I asked them, I said, hey, 
I'm preaching a sermon in a few weeks, and I want to ask you a question, and could you send a little video back maybe we could use? And ask him a question. How have your parents been helpful to you as you've been adults? And here are the answers for my kids a long way from snipe hunting. Hi, I'm Amber, and this is my husband, Mitchell. My dad asked us to think about what the most helpful thing he and my mom have done as parents while we have been adults. And I think the most helpful thing has been this balance of you are an adult, you have the responsibility for your own actions, um, balanced with it being abundantly clear that they are always there for me with advice, wisdom, um, when I ask for it, and love, whether I ask for it or not. <laughs> and I've been very grateful for that. I've spent many hours on the phone crying, complaining, celebrating all of the above um, with mom and dad and um, I'm very grateful that they are such a big part of my life and that they also live a life that I uh, feel like you know I can get wisdom from them they live by example lead by example and um, I feel like very grateful to have them as parents in my life. So how have my parents helped me even though um, I am out of the house? Well I would say one of the things that I've really valued is having a place to always call home um, at their place. Uh, I really like it that they keep a room uh, that I can come to whenever I want. Um, uh, just whatever weekend I can call them up and uh, be like, hey, can I come over and uh, it's all cool and, uh, you, you know, that's that's nice. I, I really love that. and. <clears throat> Another thing, um, I've really appreciated as an adult uh, continuing to learn from my parents, um, not only through words um, and, you know, asking certain things like how to buy a house, um, but also like through example, um, just uh, seeing how they handle their life and uh, kind of the, the wisdom that I can take from that. Um, and then last but not least is uh, continuing to love me through my mistakes. Um, just, you know, always being there, uh, being someone that I can depend on to talk to, um, and uh, just being there as parents. It's very valuable. I'm thankful for parents who have not viewed the role of parenthood as completed at empty nest. Although our relationship has changed from a place of provision to a healthy adult friendship, they have played an active and intentional role in my life. Adulthood is full of firsts, first child, first house, uh, sometimes first job. And I am so thankful for their wisdom, their godly advice that I've been able to gain throughout the years. Um, my husband and I could not be more thankful for the older couples in our lives that have helped us point us in certain directions, specifically the people that have spent the most time with us, our parents. Hey, you know what? You know what? I was so honored by their response. I said, you don't have to do this. And then I, I got emails and text messages. But what I think I see there is they really like being adults. 
They really like uh, being respected for who they are. They like being listened to. And they also like being forgiven. Well, our journey as adult parents doesn't move from obey to honor as much as it moves from control to influence. From control to influence. See, the last one who spoke there is my, uh, my middle daughter, Ashlyn. And I remember when she was learning to drive. And uh, we had to, you know, teach her in the neighborhood. And I told her, don't take your hands off the steering wheel. So the first time she turned, you know, her hands got crossed. I was like, well, maybe I need to teach a little better, you know. And uh, then there was that day, you know, she actually got her driver's license. She was going to go somewhere by herself. And we said, okay, you can only go to this friend's house. It's a mile and a half away. And you need to be back by this time, right? You've been there, right? Little kids, right? And then it got a little bigger. And we're like, okay, you can drive to school and back and sort of around town. But don't go to the next town over and stay off the interstate. And then there was that day we're like, okay, get on, you know, interstate. You seem like you're doing well. And then there came that day between her senior year and senior in high school, freshman year in college, where we were vacationing down in Destin. And she said, I, I have some friends I'd like to go visit over in Panama City. And I'm like, hmm. And so June and I talked about it. And we're like, well, she's about to go to college. And, you know, and so, you know, we only have one car on vacation. So we handed the keys to our car. And we said, you, you'll be back by 11, midnight, right? And uh, sent her off uh, down the road. I'll never forget that night because we had uh, the 360 app on her phone, you know, because she's still under my control. She's not in college yet, right? And uh, we're checking in on that app, you know. We're like, okay, she's where she said she'd be. And then, then it's getting close to her coming home. We're like, okay, she's sort of heading back this way. And then I panic. The little dot on my phone is 900 yards off the highway in the woods, and it's not moving. And uh, it didn't take long for me to tell my wife that I do not have a certain set of skills. Um, and uh, thankfully, my wife is a whole lot smarter than I am. And she goes, look, the GPS is about 900 yards off. She's fine, honey. Here she comes. She must be driving through the woods. And uh, she showed back up. But ultimately, that control moves the influence, and uh, she drives all over the southeast now, going to different photo shoots, and I don't even know where she's at, and I've given her some advice, and I say, fill your car up, and I told her husband to buy her a new car, and uh, <laughs> I told her to watch yourself, and I don't quite trust yet riding with her yet. She's still got some work to do, but there's just been this journey, right, from control to influence. And I believe in Ephesians 6, 4, we, we find that Paul speaks into this. He says fathers, and uh, he could easily say fathers and mothers here. But maybe he said fathers because fathers are more likely to want to control. Mothers tend to be a little more nurturing. But he says fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. 
Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Don't provoke your children to anger. See, other words that are used there are um, exasperate, frustrate, um, and, and anyone who's ever had a parent's been exasperated or frustrated, right? Anybody who's ever had a child has been exasperated or frustrated. But, but the, the instructions there do not provoke our children to anger, do not exasperate them, do not frustrate them. And I think maybe there are two sides to that. There's... Uh, the overreaction side to provoking, where we overreact to something our child has done, and then there's the abandonment side. And this bringing up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord lies, I believe, between those two things. You see, a, an overreaction is when um, we have rules and requirements that are inappropriate for their age. So when my kids come visit now and they go to bed at night, I do not tell them to brush their teeth before they go to bed. Right? And that can play itself out in so many different ways. Uh, an overreaction is wanting them to uh, be exactly like us, or at least exactly like we think we are or thought we were. Sometimes we have high opinions of the way we were when we were their age. An overreaction is too harsh of a reprimand or a punishment or advice that is very one-sided and untimely. An overreaction for adult children would be uh, deciding without listening. An overreaction for adult children would be overreacting to their sin. Um, God gave his son as a sacrifice on the cross for our sin. And if we like, feel like our children have entered into a sinful place, let's take on the likeness of God's gift to us, Jesus, and help them navigate their relationship with God in the middle of that and not necessarily experience our wrath. I know they're going to get a little bit of it, right? But that provoking to anger happens with an overreaction to a circumstance, it also happens on the other side with abandonment, where we just don't speak into their life, where we, um, we stop caring, we just sort of let go, you know? Um, we, we barely remember what job they have and we don't know any of their friends' names, right? I'll never forget um, Frontline, the old news show, a little bit like 60 Minutes, in 1999 came out with um, a segment called The Lost Children of Rockdale County. Rockdale County is a county just outside of Atlanta. You can look it up. And it's on YouTube right now. But um, it, it, here's, the, here's the little summary of the show. It said... A syphilis, syphilis, that's an STD, a syphilis ec epidemic among teens of an affluent community points to drug use, parties with no boundaries, and no parents and aimlessness. I'll never forget, because that 
county was a couple of counties over from where I was at that time. And uh, there was just this place where the parents wanted to live a certain life, and they just told their 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, just do whatever. And the kids did. And, and this one teenager sits staring at the camera with tears in their eyes had seemingly been given everything this world could offer. Uh, parties, drugs, sex, cars, clothes, wh whatever, had been given everything with tears in their eyes. They said, I thought my parents loved me more than to allow me to live this way. And see, abandonment can also provoke a child to anger. You see, the in-between section is bringing them up. Bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that never stops. But it does change from control to influence. You see, William Hendrickson says this. He says, the heart of Christian nurture is to bring the heart of the child to the heart of the Savior. And that journey never stops and it, and it probably looks a little bit like this as we move from control to influence it's just a couple of things it, it, we would move from authority to relationship right as they move from obey to honor we move from authority to relationship um, more of uh, authority to more of an equal right we move from uh, telling to listening a younger child, you know, like, you know, don't touch that, you know. And now we need to listen. Like, why do you want to touch that, right, as the child is older? We move from uh, rules to wise advice. You know, instead of a list of rules, it's like, hey, here, here, take it or leave it. Here's my advice. You're an adult now. You have to decide, right? We, we move from uh, punishment to boundaries, um, you know, when our kids become adults, I mean, those punishments are sort of hard, right? But we can still have especially personal boundaries and house boundaries and life boundaries that we abide by, right? We move from lecture to conversation. Instead of a one-way talk, it becomes a two-way conversation the older they get, right? We move from hierarchy to mutual respect. Again, um, the lowest level of leadership is positional. And when a child is born, we have nothing but positional leadership because they can't even understand what we're saying. But as they grow, our relationship becomes less about control, more about influence, less about the hierarchy of parent and child, and more about mutual respect for each other. It also moves from worry to trust. He, we move to a place where children are no longer proving themselves, where we begin to trust them. And at the end of that journey, we're going to need them. Um, we might need them to take us to full moon barbecue on Sunday afternoon and allow us to make comments to the man getting out of his wife's little Mazda Miata, right? Well, parents of adult children, I'd invite you, uh, bottom line, to do this, to focus on, instead of what we give to our children, 
I want to invite you to focus on who we are for our children. Instead of what we give to, when they're younger, we give, we give, we give. And when they're older, who are we for our children? And in every um, message of our Parenting to Win series, we've been looking at a proverb, and, and I'd love to close with a proverb from Proverbs 27. I hope it um, is helpful. I know it's helpful. It's the Word of God, right? This, this is the word from Proverbs. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. Parents of adult kids. You're not perfect. Um, You've made mistakes just like me. Uh, Your relationship with your kids has had its ups and downs. But this proverb gives us the promise that if we'll lean into walking with God, if we'll walk with integrity, that we can be a blessing to our children. 